welcome everybody who's here in person and welcome to those of y'all listening. This is Frequently Asked Questions, episode number 19. Is that 19? Yay! Because you know how I figured that out? Because last week was 18. And that's about all the math I can do. Yeah. No, glad you're here. Um, I had uh, three really good questions come in uh, via email. And then, uh, of course, I'll open it up to take yours. Um, and then a little, a little something extra to sweeten the deal for, le- for everybody. Um, next Wednesday, next Wednesday, I'll, uh, I'll start the, um, the study through Revelation. So, um, so, so, yeah, I know we want to get this, this stuff out of the way to get to Revelation. I know, I know. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, but we'll, we'll start that next week. It'll be fun. Uh, I have no idea when it will end because uh, we'll, we'll take it slow. Uh, and I, what I'll still do, though, at the beginning of, of each week is open it up for, open it up for questions uh, about the message, if, if there are any. So, uh, but before I jump into these, that came in via email. Uh, any questions from Sunday's message from, from, from you all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> oh no, no. But I can guarantee next week I'm starting with chapter one. Verse one, chapter one. That's about all of Revelation that I can predict, and I, I'm I'm hoping to be pretty safe with that one. If I'm wrong about that one, you can take up stones and stone me for being a false prophet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, yep. All right. <laughs> yeah. Any, uh, <laughs> that's too funny. Any, any, any questions from y'all on uh, this past Sunday, wisdom and all that good stuff? Okay. Well, if you think of any while I read these ones that, that came in via, uh, two of them via email, one of them via text. Um, just uh, feel free to feel free to jump in there. Okay. <clears throat> uh, first question came to me via email. Kevin, the sermon Sunday was the first one I've ever heard on the topic of wisdom, and the only sermon I've heard so far in my life out of the Book of Proverbs. I asked around and heard something similar from a lot of people. Why do you think this is, any, or any reason? For this, I think what they mean, and any reason why this person and others they talk to haven't heard sermons on wisdom, and not very much out of out of Proverbs. Um, I don't know for sure. Uh, I my experience was I had uh, <clears throat> I was blessed that I had a youth pastor that. Uh, right after I became a Christian at 16 years old, that was the very, very first thing he had us do. He had us, he had us do two things. Um, he had us begin memorizing the book of Ephesians and reading Proverbs every day, reading a chapter, not the whole book. Uh, I could have used the whole book every day, uh, but uh, reading a chapter of Proverbs every day. So from the time I was a teenager, um, consistently throughout my Christian walk, I've included reading a chapter of Proverbs 
uh, every day in my, in my devotional time. But I did find when I went to, when I went to college and then later on in, in uh, uh, seminary and in doctoral studies even, that uh, Proverbs was almost one of those books in the Bible that um, my, my colleagues and my friends would be like, oh yeah, yeah, Proverbs, yeah, you know. Um, so I, I don't exactly know, I'll just share what I've kind of been uh, come across over, over the last, over uh, my years. One is uh, it's the Old Testament. And a lot of Christians really don't know what to do with the Old Testament. Um, I can say uh, this has not happened at Northside because y'all are so awesome. Um, but the two previous churches that I've pastored, when I would do any sort of series out of a book uh, in the Old Testament, uh, after about maybe two weeks there, uh, the, the, the good folks would ask questions like, when are we going to get back into the real Bible? When are we going to, when are we going to get back into the New Testament? Um, are we going to be, are we going to be in the Old Testament much longer? And there was just a lot of, maybe it's because they were Baptist churches. I, I don't know, but, um, um, but, uh, but there was always, and it was consistent, but, but again, it has not happened here. And my first series with, with, with you all was in, was in the first six chapters of Joshua and, um, and, Never heard anything like that, so yay, yay Northside. Um, but I have noticed over the years in ministry that the Old Testament is kind of, ooh, what a, I don't know, we don't want to stay there too long. You know, maybe we can, you know, get in the Old Testament a little bit, but let's not stay there too long. Um, and so there, there can be this tendency to not engage with the Old Testament quite as much, um, uh, the second possibility is it's the book of Proverbs. And, and yes, I mean, I'm used to Proverbs, but uh, Proverbs is written in a very, very different form. It, a proverb is its own literary form. So it's not named the book of Proverbs because Proverbs is a proper name of like, you know, Moses and, you know, the, the obscure prophet Proverbs. Uh, you know, we don't, there's not a person named Proverbs but it's the book of the Proverbs. And Proverbs is its own kind of style and, and, and teaching approach, <clears throat> and it's really different. Proverbs really doesn't lend itself to uh, necessarily a verse by verse. You're not really gonna walk verse by verse through a chapter of Proverbs. You could, but you're gonna be all over the place regarding subject matter, because it, it might be talking about you know, how to live in a house with a contentious uh, person. Uh, actually, it, it, Proverbs says woman. I'll say person because I, I want to walk out of here. Um, but how to live in a house with a contentious individual. Uh, to a uh, uh, dog returns to his vomit and a fool returns to his folly. Okay, uh, put that in an outline, you know. So, so you have that. So it doesn't really lend itself to kind of the verse by verse uh, approach to, to teaching scripture that's really popular here in the US, but really isn't as much of a, of a thing in other, in other parts of the world. It's kind of, a, it's kind of an American thing um, because really the Bible wasn't intended to be read or taught verse by verse because uh, verse and chapter divisions 
weren't even part of the mix until fairly recently in history. And it does make it easier to find things, but if, if I get, you know, if I get a, an email or a text message from my, um, uh, you know, from, uh, from my friend, I don't, I don't necessarily read a couple words and then stop and meditate on that and then read a couple more words. I, I, I read the thought. And so, so much of the Bible is written in a form of a story or a narrative or a letter and really was intended to be read as such. Well, um, but anyway, I'm, I'm chasing a little bit of a rabbit here, but Proverbs is laid out kind of different. And uh, so there, there you have to teach uh, and, and understand Proverbs in a different way. Uh, my third thought on this, and again, these are just thoughts. Uh, because, Proverbs, be, because Proverbs are part of Scripture, you know, they're inspired, and Proverbs are true, but they must be understood for what they are saying and for what they're not saying. And I'm going to say more about that in just a moment. But for example, just one example, <clears throat> Proverbs are principles about how life will typically work. Proverbs, however, are not promises, okay? They're not promises, but some people will take them because, and this is another reason to understand the difference between what the Bible is saying on the page and what the Bible, what that passage means, okay? So there we are again with that distinction because um, uh, many, uh, many a person have taken some things in Proverbs uh, to to be promises, um, and when it didn't work out, wondered, well, now what do I do? What do I do with the Bible? I counted on this, and it didn't come through. It didn't happen. Um, so, and I, actually, there's another question along that line where I unpack this a little further, but that's why I think uh, those are just three thoughts I had on, uh, but I, I don't know, you, you all help me out help me out with, uh, with answering the, this person. Um, why, why do you think maybe they haven't heard a lot, uh, a sermon on wisdom and haven't heard a lot out of Proverbs? Those were just kind of my taking a stab at it thoughts. What do y'all think? Yes, ma'am. Ah, you know what? I haven't looked at that. The Psalms sure are, but uh, yeah, Proverbs. I don't think the New Testament. Yeah, I, it doesn't seem. I'm writing this down. <laughs> the uh, the comment was, and that is very that is very perceptive. I, I've got to. I got I got to check that out. Are are Proverbs uh, in the lectionary very much? I'm gonna I'm gonna write that. Thank you for that. I wouldn't see. Lectionary? Question mark? Let me know if you find out that it is. Okay. Maybe I missed miss that Sunday. <laughs> this is Proverbs Sunday. <laughs> no, that's good. Any any other any other thoughts or or, or have, have you all heard? You know, do, do you share this person's experience? Have you heard have you heard much teaching, many sermons on wisdom or out of Proverbs? Classes, but I hadn't heard them in a sermon. <clears throat> 
See, I, I'm just, I, I don't even know what I'm not supposed to do. <laughs> not supposed to teach Proverbs out of a, no, I'm kidding. Okay. Well, good, good. I say that Sunday when you said, is this not doing it? It was so good that you couldn't do anything but listen. So when you thought we weren't interested, we were just so in-depth trying to understand <laughs> it. You don't get a lot of amens out of that crowd in 8 o'clock service. I don't know what you do. Well, it is early. But we, we just, it's just not. But, and Brother Gary wasn't there, the other Gary. But um, <laughs> it was so good. And I was talking to somebody after church. They said, oh, Karen Ashley, she said, I was just taking it in. I couldn't, I wanted to grasp it all, so. Yeah, no, and, and a lot of it is I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a hard time every chance I get, you know. So uh, that, that's, what, that's, that's what some of that was, but. One thing about, I have the NIV. Um, uh-huh. It has words marked. Yeah. Like uh, Proverbs of Solomon, and it was from the king of Israel. Then it comes down and it talks about the wisdom being simple. Mm-hmm. Discretion gives you a lot of words that kind of help you get a get yeah an idea of what you're studying, and I like that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, good, good. Well, like I said, I'm I'm putting a. I'll shut up. That's so good. That's so good. What's that? Oh, you preached on a Sunday about the, being the simple-minded people. Yeah. I, I, and, and I resemble that. I resemble that. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, the next, the next question I had was, um, this is the one that came in uh, via text message. Uh, <clears throat> Kevin, I started reading Proverbs like you suggested, and I like it, but I'm not sure what to do with some of the sayings like, and I'm, I'm impressed because this person's quoting something from Proverbs 26, so... If they started with one and went all the way through, yay, them. But I, and I, don't, I don't know. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, Proverbs 26, 4 and 5, they're saying they're not sure what to do with this. It says this, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like them. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. And so they said, um, so which is it? <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, and that, that's Proverbs Proverbs does things like that. Proverbs, that's, that's, called, uh, that's called a parallelism. And parallelisms are two teachings that run parallel to each other. And there are synthetic parallelisms, which means they, uh, they, they kind of say the same thing. It's just re- repeated. Uh, and there are antithetical parallelisms. This is uh, an example of an antithetical parallelism where one thesis makes one statement the next thesis uh, says something opposite, but in both of these, um, it's trying to get the same point across. Uh, there are some times when you do answer a fool, uh, and there are some times you don't. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. That's, you know, uh, that's not in Proverbs, by the way. Just want to make that clear. Uh, and so, you know, which is it? The answer is yes. Um, and, and it depends on the context. It depends. This is another, this is a, I mean, if there's, if there's a uh, life between the lines moment, this is it. How do you know if you need to answer this fool for their own benefit, or someone acting foolish, let's put it that way, or uh, if 
answering them is only going to make them dig in. And, and it's kind of that principle Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before the swine or they'll just be trampled, trampled under. Um, <clears throat> so that was one part of their question. The other part is, also, I know a lot of parents who really leaned on the verse about training up a child, but those children aren't involved in church now. So they feel like failures as parents, or they wonder if the Bible's true or, or not. What do you do with that? And that's Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. And that's, good, that's a good example of something being a principle that is, is a good principle to live by, and it is true, it is, it's something to lean into, it's something to aspire to, but it, it's, it's, a prov, it's a proverbial principle to live by. It's not a promise to assume that if that happens, if A happens, B is gonna happen. Uh, and that's one, of those, that's one of those tricky areas. So let me unpack this a little more <coughs> here. Uh, like I said earlier, it's important to consider what, a, what, proverbs, uh, uh, what proverbs are and what they're not, what they are saying and what they're not. Um, proverbs have a lot of different angles by which they try to get at the lesson that they're coming across. And one of them is, is very potent poetry, okay? Very potent poetry. Uh, a proverb is a form of poetry. It's part of the wisdom literature, but it's, it's, it's uh, a lot of the... Uh, the approach is poetic, and you know we're used to we're used to poetry where the syllables rhyme, or the words rhyme. And in proverb, it's the the meanings kind of resonate with one another, either by stacking up and, and reinforcing one another, or reinforcing the lesson by the by the statements being uh, opposite of one another. But uh, proverbs uses a lot of really potent. Things for an example, Proverbs twelve one. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Okay, that's kind of potent, you know. That puts it out there, and Proverbs does that. It has a little bit of shock value, like, "Whoa, did did did, did they just say stupid?" Well, in the Hebrew, he didn't say stupid, uh, but it, it that's how it was translated in the English. Uh, but the idea was foolish, you know, foolish. Um, <clears throat> so poetry is a part of it parental instruction, and, and I like this. This is one of the reasons that we're able to, uh, to deduce that this was a book written uh, to, to younger people <clears throat> because throughout it you have phrases like, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Not necessarily written to perhaps a biological son, but in some, in some instances perhaps it was. But the idea here is this is a parent, a mentor, uh, really in, in encouraging and entreating this, this younger student, this younger person, to listen, really listen to what they have to say. <clears throat> listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, I just talked about parallelisms, um, parallel instruction, and so a good example of that is uh, Proverbs 16, 8. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before the fall. Okay, you see those parallel. Those are, that's a synthetic parallelism. That's where the two synthesize together and are consistent with one another. Um, Proverbs chapter 10, verse one is another good example. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. So you see the, 
the, the, uh, the uh, antithetical idea of that uh, gets the point across. Proverbs uses a lot of vivid imagery. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Yeah, that's not what I recommend reading with breakfast. So, um, but um, yeah, and so uh, vivid, vivid imagery. I, uh, one of them, and, and uh, be, because I, I've read Proverbs so many times, um, whenever I met Serena, um, I, she started reading Proverbs because I, I was all excited. I, I met Serena when I was uh, 18, and uh, so I'd only been a Christian for a couple of years, and I was just all excited uh, about it. And so she started reading Proverbs, and so she's been reading Proverbs all these years. So now we, we actually have like inside jokes that come from Proverbs. We're, we're geeks like that, okay? And we have a lot of inside jokes from obscure romantic comedies, but that's another thing. Um, so <clears throat> if, like if I won't get up in the morning, I'm having a hard time getting up in the morning, you know, she'll be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like the door turns on its hinges so the sluggard turns on his bed. And I'm like, oh. And I'm just like, yeah, a neighbor who greets their neighbor loudly in the morning, it is a curse unto them, you know, and... Um, or uh, uh, another one is, I can't go to work today. There's a lion in the square. There's a lion outside. I, I, I can't go to work. So, you know, and these are all in the Proverbs. These are all in the Proverbs. And these are just goofy. It's these goofy images. You know, it's better to live on the corner of a roof than at a house with a contentious woman. And I, I love quoting that one to her. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, or like, the, or like a constant dripping like a constant dripping is, um, I can't remember how to finish it. Uh, I think like a, a constant dripping is, is uh, someone who nags, you know, someone who nags. So it has these, ah, you know, these images that just really stick in your mind. And Proverbs has those all over the place. And then Proverbs speaks in puzzles. And this is kind of fun. Puzzles are, are, are kind of a fun part. Um, and, and actually, that uh, passage that the person who asked this question quoted is an example of proverbial puzzles, okay? And do not answer a fool according to his folly or you yourself will be just like him. It's foolish to answer a fool. And on the other hand, you need to answer a fool according to his folly or he's gonna be wise in his own eyes. Save him or he's gonna, he's gonna think that he's right. And so that's a puzzle. That's kind of a puzzle. It's kind of a riddle. So how do you know which one to do? Well, it depends on the situation, depends on the person. You need wisdom to figure it out. So which is it? It's both. And that's really where I kind of got into the habit of something I get. I get criticized for it sometimes, but um, a lot of reading Proverbs will, will help you become very, very sensitive to um, false dichotomies. When, false dichotomies. Whenever people say, well, it's either this or this. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes the situations we face, face require either or directions or answers. But reading Proverbs all these years has helped me understand most of the time, it's not an either or. 
It's a both and, or it's an and also. It's, it's, it's not that even if, even if two ideas might not line up, you don't necessarily have to reject one to embrace the other. Sometimes they're interdependent. They're interdependent realities. And the tension is good. The tension's good. The tension is necessary. Um, and, and so Proverbs will, will help develop that. And, and so sometimes I get, I get criticized every now and then for um, answering questions. Well, is it, well, Kevin, do you think it's this or do you think it's that? And I'll say, yes. And some people are like, are you being sarcastic? No, of course not. I don't know anything about that character trait. Uh, no, actually, that's one of my spiritual gifts, unfortunately. But in all seriousness, I'm not being snarky, and I'm really not being elusive. It's that studying Proverbs has taught me that life is often experienced in the complex spaces of both and, and um, or, 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 or either, you know, rather than the realm of either or. And so Proverbs uh, riddles like this help us navigate so are you supposed to answer a fool in his folly or not? Yeah, but no. That's where wisdom comes in. It is. See, wisdom unlocks that riddle. And, and I love that even in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, it says the Proverbs of Solomon for helping, helping one to uh, understand the sayings and riddles of the wise, you know? So it kind of helps it kind of helps with that kind of, of thinking. Uh, let's see, did I have anything else? Um, <clears throat> oh yeah, this is some, something else here. No one proverb is gonna give you the whole picture. That's what's wonderful about proverbs. That's why it's great to read a chapter. And in that chapter, like I said, you, you'll have a proverb about, about money. You'll have a proverb maybe about uh, sexuality. You'll have a proverb about relationships with your mom or dad. You'll have one about um, you know, any, any number of things within a chapter. Some of them, there might be two or three proverbs kind of linked together that are similar, but then all of a sudden you're over here at something else. So proverbs are kind of like, you know, chasing, chasing squirrels, which, you know, I like to do. Um, they make good stew. But the thing is, as you read through proverbs, what you'll do, you'll start to recognize that there are, um, there are types of, there are uh, consistent uh, subjects that are covered that, prover that Proverbs will speak to throughout the, the book, throughout the, uh, the, the whole book. So no one proverb is gonna give you the whole picture, but you can start to fit them together. So I have, I have a really good friend who, um, He's a Proverbs nerd way, way more than I am even. And um, he went through and he went through and he wrote every one of the Proverbs down on, on an individual index card. And so then he would take those index cards and every one that he would read, he would put it kind of, okay, this has to do with relationships. This has to do... And, and so he did that, and he, and he found um, seven different clusters of teaching throughout Proverbs. And when I do the series in Proverbs, I'll tell you what those are, so you've got to wait till 2023 for that. Um, 
but uh, patience is a form of wisdom too. So, <laughs> uh, but that's where uh, he's the one that really um, helped me understand that, oh, it's one proverb is like one piece of a mosaic. And then the other proverbs come together to form kind of this overall uh, more comprehensive teaching on a, on a particular area of, of, of life. Um, that's what Proverbs are, okay? Now, what Proverbs are not, are not, um, <clears throat> they're, they, they're poetic and therefore they're not guaranteed promises. And that's really the, 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 the primary point to make about them. Um, within Proverbs, you'll have elements of parable. Uh, in fact, Proverbs chapter one, verse six, the Proverbs of Solomon, uh, son of David, for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. A parable is uh, a, a, a type of story that uh, in Jesus, in, in using the parables, a lot of times, the parables mocked. They were kind of mocking in tone. Because like, take, take the parable of the, of, the, of the rich man and Lazarus. Um, it mocked the idea that a lot, of, a lot of people were holding in Jesus' day that if you were doing well financially, it was, it was to be assumed that you were blessed of God. Because, you know, uh, those, who are, those who are pleasing to God are blessed. Those who are in sin um, are doing without. And that even crept into the disciples whenever the, the, blind, uh, the blind beggar, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents. And so the proverb turned everything on its head because according to the way that they thought, it was Lazarus who would have been the person assumed to be full of sin or something because he was poor, the dogs were licking his sores, and everything like that. And so the big twist in the parable is when Jesus says, and the rich man in hell. <clears throat> Whoa, the, the hearers would have gone, okay, that is not the way this story was supposed to go. And so it was a mockery of, of that way of, of thinking. Um, because one of the worst things that could happen, uh, and, and still in, in, um, in Hebraic thought, in Jewish thought, is, you know, is, is for you no longer to have a name. And notice in, in the, the only parable where Jesus uses a name for a character is in this parable, and it is not the rich man that has the name. Okay, because I, I know some of this, it's Lazarus and Dives, but Dives is just means rich guy, rich man. So, and, and, and yet, in their way of thinking, it was, no, the rich man should have been the one with the name, the title, the prestige, the nobody should have been this beggar, and yet it's turned upside down, it's turned on its head in the parable. Um, the parable of the good, what? Samaritan. Uh, talk about two terms that are not supposed to go together. Samaritans aren't good. Are you kidding, Jesus? Samaritans are so bad that we are going to absolutely go around and take a, a couple of extra days on a trip uh, to avoid Samaria 
And just in case we got any of Samaritan's dust on us, we have to change clothes before we enter into uh, Judea. That was how they felt about things. So for the Samaritan to be good in the story and for the priest and the Levite to be the ones who were missing the boat, it was a mockery. And so uh, uh, elements of parable in Proverbs, parable is kind of a mocking um, type of story or a story that turns the norms on their head. Sayings are accounts. Uh, uh, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the, the sayings, that's where your kind of uh, garden variety proverb, that's what it is, it's a saying. And then riddles, um, some translations say dark sayings. Ooh, that sounds spooky and mysterious and I kind of like it. Uh, but these are enig enigmatic sayings, difficult questions, intriguing statements, kind of like the, you know, answer the fool, don't answer the fool. Um, and be because of that, we just have to be, because all of these are poetic devices, they are poetically saying things that are true and principles to live by. But just remember, they're not promises. <clears throat> R.C. Sproul, I love R.C. Sproul, he put it this way. He said, a common mistake in biblical interpretation is to give a, proverbi a, a proverbial saying the weight or force of a moral absolute, okay? Um, <clears throat> Richard Pratt says this, Proverbs commend certain paths to family members because they reflect the ways God ordinarily distributes his blessings. But ordinarily does not mean necessarily. Um, and then one other, uh, Proverbs are meant to be general principles. Good to live by. You can count on them, but understand that, um, as this person Janine Yates says, I love what she says, the book of Proverbs is not a list of God's promises for those who live a godly life. It is a collection of principles to guide those who seek to live a godly life. Okay? So what Proverbs are and what Proverbs are not is really, um, re really important. So... Uh, that's, that's how I answered the, uh, the text message question. Uh, any more on that? Any more for me to unpack? Anything to clarify? I will say something about when you were talking about children and young parents. Yeah. In here. I fell away from God for a long time. I was brought up every time the door was open. Yeah. Back. Mm -hmm. So it does happen. It does happen. Mm -hmm. It does. It does. Okay, the last question. This one came in via email. Uh, Kevin, I understand what you said about things happening between the lines, but should that be a concern if we're seeking God's plan? Doesn't God have everything planned out for us, so shouldn't we trust this? This is a really, really good question because it does kind of get into that area of... <clears throat> okay, if God's in control, is there really any life between the lines or is that kind of a human way of looking at it that, yeah, it's between the lines for us, but it's not between the lines for God. So then how should we pray? How should, to what extent, are, are, is it God's plan already laid out before anything ever happened? So, 
you know, so he already has in mind where you should go to college. You might think there's three, three good choices, but God has one choice and it's predetermined. So how do we do? I, I understand. That can get complicated really, really fast. In fact, I'm so confused now, I'm just going to call it a, no, I'm kidding. Um, but <clears throat> here's what I put together for this, because I understand. Um, our faith journey is a lot like that proverb where it says, don't answer a fool according to his folly or you'll become like him. Answer a fool according to his folly or he will be wise in his own eyes. That's kind of how my faith journey feels sometimes. Do this, don't do this. At the same time and in the same sense. You know, it can feel like that. Um, Do we trust that God has a plan and will guide us in it? Or are we responsible to prayerfully seek out what we believe is the best way forward? Yes. (laughs) See, there's an example of the yes. Because this is, uh, if you you go with an either or on this, and and this is where a lot of American Christianity, this is where a lot of the debates in American Christianity kind of between uh, my, my, my friends who are more on the kind of Calvinist reform side of things uh, and then uh, my, my friends uh, who, where I kind of fall more on the Wesleyan Arminian side of, of, of things. One uh, is going to emphasize the sovereignty of God, the, the, uh, the predestined, uh, predestined plan of God, the predetermination of God, and the control of God on one hand. That tends to be the Calvinist, um, Calvinist reform side. Wesleyan Arminian is going to emphasize more of, of the need to, uh, you know, that's why we have our Wesleyan quadrilateral, uh, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Um, do we trust scripture? Yes. Do we, we use our minds, we seek wisdom. We're, we're saying, Lord, help us as we try to determine and navigate our way forward. And sometimes my Calvinist friends are going, yeah, but you're, you're, you're leaning too much into this idea of freedom that you think you have. And I'm going, but wait a minute, if we're not really free, then how can I be held responsible for a, a, a decision that turns out to be a rotten one if God is predetermining everything, and oh, and so it can get really be really fun. Aren't you glad you came? Um, <clears throat> and so, but the answer is yes. You know, God has a plan and will guide us in it, and we are responsible to prayerfully seek out what we in wisdom believe, and wisdom from prayer, wisdom from counsel, wisdom from counsel from others, wisdom from our own counsel um, <clears throat> to determine the best way forward. And there are even some Proverbs that speak this way. Proverbs sixteen nine: a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. <clears throat> Which is it? Yeah. Are we not to plan? Well, the assumption here is that you should plan. There's no, there's nothing saying a man stupidly plans his way. No. A man plans his way, that's the assumption. But the Lord directs his steps. Uh, Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I take a lot of comfort in that. So on one hand, there is this responsibility that we have because 
um, you know, we're con contrary to what a lot of my Reformed Calvinist friends uh, like to say, uh, they like to say, well, we're not really free. We've got to be free or we can't be held responsible. If we're not free, if we're not truly free, then we're not accountable. Um, accountability requires freedom, and love actually requires freedom. You can't coerce love. Um, so anyway, the thing is, <clears throat> one of the great mysteries of faith is the relationship between divine sovereignty and human responsibility. And so here tonight, I'm going to resolve this. No, uh, <laughs> that would be foolish. Um, but here are my thoughts on this. If God mandates every step, then how can we be responsible and held accountable for our, for, for our decisions if God is mandating every step? But if God doesn't mandate every decision, then in what way is God sovereign? Um, <clears throat> I think it comes down to how you understand sovereignty. And some people think of sovereignty in terms of absolute and total authority over others, like an emperor in Rome, absolute sovereignty. You know, remember in Gladiator when, you know, he literally had the power of life and death in his thumb, you know, thumb. And let me, let me chase this rabbit further. Have you seen Ratatouille? I killed a man with this thumb. Okay, just had to follow the thumb. I just had to follow through on the thumb motif there. Yeah, oh, Sean Connery, yes. Uh, so, you know, and, and so some people think of sovereignty in those terms, absolute total authority over others. But sovereignty is also understood and described. Uh, the, the ability of the sovereign, the ability the sovereign has over the manner and extent to which they execute that authority. Let me say that again. Sovereignty is thought of in terms of absolute total authority, that the one who has the authority. But sovereignty also describes the ability that the sovereign one has over how they, uh, over the manner and extent to which they execute their own authority. Okay, so the sovereign has absolute and total authority. Well, the sovereign also has absolute total authority over themselves. So <clears throat> how does this apply to God? As a Wesleyan Armenian, I kind of come down on, do I believe that God is sovereign? Yes. God certainly could override my human freedom and yours. And at times, we do find in Scripture where God has indeed directed human events and human agents. But that seems to be the exception more than the rule. On the whole, God, in his sovereignty, limits his own execution of his direct control and provides humans genuine freedom and moral agency while still working in and through human actions and events toward the ultimate end that he has in mind and will bring about according to the design of his sovereign will. So there's this absolute sovereignty in God and God as the sovereign chooses how his sovereignty is gonna operate and limits 
that total control of you and me. And in that freedom, we make decisions that we are genuinely free to make, really free to make. Freedom is not an illusion. We're really free to make, and we are truly responsible for them and will be held accountable for them. And at the same time, it doesn't mean that, that, that God has, chained, has tied his hands. God is still working in and through, and, and in my case at least, I don't know about y'all, but in my case at least, in spite of my foolishness and stupidity and stubbornness and disobedience, to bring about his sovereign will for my life and for the life of this world. And... <clears throat> For those of us who want chapter and verse to go along with that, uh, Genesis 50, uh, verses 19 through 21, which is the story, uh, the account of when Joseph has risen to power in Egypt. He's vice regent to the Pharaoh and his brothers who had previously thrown him in a pit, sold him into slavery, lied to their father, convinced their father that he had died because Joseph was kind of a, a brat, saying, hey, I had a dream that all y'all bowed down to me. That's the last thing you want to say as the youngest brother to all your other big brothers. You know, you, you, you're going to get whacked for that. And if you don't get whacked, you'll get sold into slavery. And, and so that's what happened. And, and they, they kind of assumed he was, he was gone and dead and done for. Uh, and then in this incredible twist of irony, the very person they had to go to to save the lives of themselves and their families is the brother that they sold into slavery, you know, years and years before. And they are scared to death because they think, well, that's it. Look at what God has done to us. This is, we knew, we knew it was wrong. Now all these years later, uh, it's caught up with us and God is now going to use our brother as his instrument of judgment on us. And here's what Joseph has to say. <clears throat> Don't be afraid. Am I in God's place? In other words, do I have God all figured out? And am I in the place to execute judgment? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done now, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you. So they intended harm. God intended good. By whose decision did all of this happen? The humans or God? Yes. 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 You have primary and secondary causes. And the best we get, now here's the thing. This passage doesn't resolve the mystery. It just describes it. <laughs> and that's about, that's about the best we get. It, it, it gives... But I love it. You intended to harm me. God intended it for good. I am here. I am here because of your choices and God's choices. So, yeah, that's the best I got on that. Um, and much better and brilliant minds than, than ours have been grappling with this one for a long time. But I, I think the best we get is that there is some kind of confluence and relationship between 
God is the primary cause of all things and human beings in the secondary causes of our choices and how God somehow pulls all that together in an incredible cosmic dance uh, that ends up um, bringing about his intended purpose. Um, yeah, that's all I got. He is so good. He is so good. He's so good despite us. You know, he's so good. Um, so to the questioner, I, I, I hope that makes it as clear as um, silt. Clear as mud, clear as silt. Um, because, yeah, does God have everything planned out? And what is our role in that? Uh, I kind of think that's why we're going to need eternity, you know, to have those conversations uh, whenever we're in glory. Um, but then again, uh, any, anybody in here can probably drive dump trucks through the holes that could be poked in everything I just said, so feel free to, to drive. Uh, what a, <laughs> your, your thoughts, your questions, uh, your, your input on that. <clears throat> I guess I could just say I don't know. That probably would have, yeah. That would have saved us all a lot of time. I'm just, um, hey, questioner, I don't know. <laughs> Let's go home. point's good because so many times we try to put, you know, fingers on something that happened in our life that's God's will or whatever, good, bad, or ugly. But in the end, we can look back, yeah, God was in it. Mm -hmm. And what he used made me better. Yeah. Yes. And wiser for his purpose at some point later in life. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, Serena and I have, I don't know how many times now, we have looked back over the last couple of years and said, you know what? I never would have written the script this way. But man, am I glad where we've ended up. Um, you know, this, we, we were just thinking that uh, it was Valentine, Valentine's Day last year that we were driving through that huge ice storm that was in Texas um, on our way to, from, from Las Cruces to Tampa. Um, and, you know, if, if you would have told me then where we would be right now, no way. So, yeah. <clears throat> In the moment, we kind of had no idea what we were doing. And just, Lord, um, you know, we've let go of this trapeze. And I am literally in the air with my hands out. Catch me. <laughs> you know, catch me. Um, so, and, I, and all, of us, all of us have stories like that. All of us have stories like that. So, anything else, y'all? I'm just so glad that I have seen so much wisdom in this church because growing up, I was taught I, if I didn't do this and that, I was going to hell. Mm -hmm. And um, I've learned 
to kind of step back a little bit and allow things to happen that normally don't happen. And it's it's been a a journey for me, mm -hmm. but yet it's also been a pleasure yeah. too, that things have happened the way they've happened. Yeah. It was meant to be that way. Mm -hmm. And I know it. Yep. Yep. Well, thank you. All right, y'all. Well, thanks so much for coming tonight. Uh, I'll pray and I'll hang around if you need to, if you need to chat a little. Um, or if you have the solution to this conundrum between divine sovereignty and human freedom, please come and do tell. Uh, I, I, I want, I, I'm convinced somebody at Northside can figure it out. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for your incredible love and grace to us. <clears throat> thank you for the mysteries. Uh, Lord, thank you that uh, there is so much to you that you do reveal uh, that a uh, hundred lifetimes, we, we couldn't wrap our minds around that. And yet there's still so much to you that we get barely little echoes and whispers and, and little glimpses and it's overwhelming. So thank you for being who you are in both your nearness and closeness and your goodness and in your bigness and greatness. Thank you for being, for being you and, and who you are and thank you for what you do and what you have done in sending your son uh, to to secure our salvation and sending your spirit to guide us uh, each step of the way. And so help us to listen and be receptive uh, to what you continue to want to reveal. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.